Hello and welcome back to another episode of And The Winner Is, where we take a stroll, or in this case a swim, back through some of um, the best picture winners of the past in the Oscars. Um, tonight we're looking at the 1920... Uh, 1920? Sorry, 2018. <laughs> 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 I don't know where that came from. The 2018... Too far back. <laughs> the Shape of Water. As you can hear, I'm joined by my, my um, co-host Paul. You all right, mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Yeah. Looking forward to talking uh, a bit of Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, and uh, and we're back in the war again, funny enough. Yeah, yeah. Before. Bizarrely, we picked two films last month that were water-related. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, so this one, of course, was directed by, as we said, by Guillermo del Toro um, and stars uh, one of our own, Sally Hawkins, uh, Michael Shannon, and, in a, and Doug Jones, who is basically your go-to guy for creatures and suits <laughs> yeah and, and he was del toro's go-to guy wasn't he uh, during this yeah. period and i think he still is to be honest because he would have been he was obviously in hellboy he played abe sapien for him in hellboy and uh, and was due to play the hatbox ghost in del toro's mm. haunted mansion as well um which bizarrely is now being played by um jared leto oh, wow <laughs> yeah so as always we'll just jump in on one or two bits and pieces about the film um, now this one apparently said it had its premiere at Venice in August of 2017, before then going wide in the US uh, in the autumn and December actually I think, um, then came out here I think just after Christmas, um, and we actually got some bu- budget on this of 19 and a half to 20 million. Um, any idea on the box office? I would imagine it did quite well, so I'm going to go for about 230 million. Just a bit about well, it's about 195.3.4, 195.4 million, roughly. So, uh, not too bad. I wasn't not far off, not to be sniffed out on, on a budget but, uh, of 19.5 million compared no. to 195 million. Um, definitely not. Now, interesting, it was up for 30, it had 30 nominations at the Oscars and only won four. Um, it also won production design, which I could totally see, original score, and best director. Um, which is one of those occasions where the director and picture went to the same film. Yeah. Because we do find, I think that happened this year, that um, it got both again. And it doesn't always happen. Sometimes they give the um, director to somebody else. Yeah. Um, split a vote. Um, other films he's up against, this is one of the big chunky lists. So it was up against Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, Post, three billboards outside Ebbing. Uh, sorry, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I missed me come right then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have, I've actually seen one or two of those. I've seen Darkest Hour, I've seen Dunkirk, I've yeah, seen Get Out, um, and I've seen The Post. I still need to see three billboards actually. So that is on Disney Plus. So uh, I need to watch that at some point. Uh, one or two facts about the film. Um, when it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2017, uh, the showing was held in the Elgin Theatre, which is actually where they shot the interiors in the film of the cinema. Ah, very clever. <laughs> so, um, to fact, yes, the audience watching the film were watching the same theatre on screen that they were sitting in. That's really <laughs> meta. To the screen that was on the screen that they were in. That's just, yeah. Um, this one I love. Because um, apparently Shannon didn't go to the Oscars for that year. When it was on, no, no, he was in a, a Chicago bar called the Old Town Hale House at the moment. Of the <laughs> film on Best Picture, um, 
the bar's owner apparently waited until after the ceremony was over to post a photo to Twitter of him nonchalantly sitting at the bar alone with a pint of beer watching the show. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, you kind of imagine that he was there. Um, yeah. You no, know, he was over. He was, he was in Chicago, so. That's like the days when Woody Allen used to do his sort of jazz on a Monday night when the Oscars were on <laughs> yeah. a Monday. Uh, this one got me. Um, apparently, one day, only one day after completing her demanding underwater scenes for the film, Sally Hawkins flew back to London to begin production on Paddington Two. Uh, <gasps> I knew, I knew Paddington had come up at some point. Yeah, only to find out that their first day shooting to have underwater scenes. Oh God, yes, of course they did. I've yeah. forgotten that Paddington floods the bathroom. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which was another fact I pulled out that she's been in two different films with flooded, flooded kitchens and bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah, so she went from underwater on that film to underwater on Paddy's Love. That's brilliant. The life of an actor. Uh, this is one I picked up watching the film. It did make me smile. Is that the design of the creature was heavily inspired by a creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Sharon, Shannon's character at one point does say they picked it up in South America. Uh, from the Amazon, and I, I did smile at that. I thought, oh, that, yeah. there's the influence of the film right there. Yeah. Um, at the time, it was the top grossing Best Picture winner in five years. As we said, taking over 140 million worldwide, 194 million worldwide on that budget at 19 million. Um, apparently, Del Toro's breathing was recorded as part of the amphibian man's vocalization. <laughs> um, which is interesting. Um, the idea of the film, as we thought, was that, that Del Toro would sort of Drew from Creature in the Black Lagoon, and it, it, that it's all over the film, really. It's a perfect homage. Um, apparently, Richard Jenkins' character was also was originally written for Ian McKellen. No, uh, which I could see. Even though Jenkins does a great job, and we, and we love Jenkins. I could see McKellen in that. Oh, that's that's interesting because obviously Del Toro worked with McKellen on The Hobbit. Yeah, before he left, yeah. so that would be where that friendship would have come from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last couple I pulled out I thought were interesting. Apparently, Del Toro wanted to shoot it in black and white, but ultimately decided against it due to budget constraints. And it's really interesting that black and white would be more expensive. Yeah, and it's, it'll, it'll be because they, people don't use it anymore. So mm. I would assume yeah. like all the cameras and, and yeah. film and stuff would have been... Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and, the, and the last one, um, it's a film that refers back to a film that we did discuss recently. It was the first film since Braveheart to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards without a nomination for the Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by Cast in a Motion Picture. So there mm. you go. So pretty much the cast always gets nominated at these things for the SAG Awards and then the film wins Best Picture, but that and Braveheart didn't. Um, yeah, so after that, so we should just jump into the into the war and the film. Yeah. Um, and I did pull out the, that, that opening sequence is really nice, the war. Um, and that dream, what turns out to be a, a dream sequence, I thought it was fantastic. Because I actually thought at that point they were showing us the end of the film in some form. I yeah. Thought, oh, this is going to end well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it certainly kicked off. You know it's a Del Toro film right from the word go. Mm. Just, I, and the visuals are so clever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that whole sequence where we get the Richard Jenkins' voiceover uh, and and, yeah. and the way it ties in. Oh, is she, is she going to die at the end of this film? And of course, yeah, I should have expected that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I, was, I scribbled down these early moments, I wasn't expecting full frontal from Hawkins. 
No, I wasn't. Uh, and my my note was that weirdly, and I shouldn't. I I found Sally Hawkins quite sexy before that scene, let alone after that scene. Well, she, yeah, like, she's got this very sort of ethereal beauty to her in this film, actually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. And because she plays, because she's like one of our top British actresses who plays certain sort of characters, it was a, still a bit of a shock to see that she's fair play to her. She went, yeah. Yeah. And as you say, I, I know her mostly because of Paddington. Mm. And she's certainly not Mrs. Brown in this, that's for sure. <laughs> no, far from it. Far from it. Uh, other things I picked out this the, the opening the early bits of the film the amount of green in this film is just he still he lays it on yeah. the plate really it's just green yeah. everywhere yeah um, it's it's green and a and a very like bright sea coloured blue yeah yeah and then and the car that we see later is teal so that that theme yeah. of green just flows throughout the film um, <laughs> I love Octavia Spencer as well. The first time we see her, she's she's another of those people you can just watch doing anything. Um, yeah, she's great, great in hidden figures, and she's fabulous in this as well. Um, in one of the key speaking roles, really. Yeah. Um, I was, it was surprised to see David Hewlett pop up in this. Yeah, yeah, literally that that was my next note that we get our, our deep cameo with David Hewlett, but he he made a habit of. Of kind of popping up in roles like that, didn't they? What else was he in? He was in something else that surprised me. Uh, he's done a few of these. He had quite a decent chunk of screen time in this, actually. In the end, yeah, yeah, very much so. He was in Planet of the Apes, the, mm, the first neighbor, first yes, of the reboot. The yeah, neighbor in Rise, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, played a pilot. That's it. Yeah, we saw him at the start and the end of the film. I there's somebody pulled out of the. These, these opener exchanges with this sort of the TV remotes and stuff like that. There's this weird sort of anachronistic sort of technology in the film that yeah. puts me in mind of stuff like Brazil, um, yeah. 12 Monkeys and things like that. And he Toro, he's drawn from that same sort of place as he's up as filmmakers like um, Gilliam. Yeah, uh, yeah, very much so. And it's it's kind of hard to distinguish when it's meant to be as well. Yeah, because well, it, yeah it is set in 62, I think. Yeah, and it, it um, kind of has that feel of, as as we brought up the the creature from the Black Lagoon, it has, it has a feel of those like thirties and forties and fifties horror yes, movies. Ten years out of place. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but he, but he, I can answer why he sets it in the in the sixties, of course, in the back of the Cold War. Yeah, because that, that sort of that whole era of sort of suspicion of people that are different and things like that. And I think it was it was a clever, yeah. clever move on his part to set it then actually. Yeah, very much so. Um I'm just trying to think some of these things that just stand out from watching the film. <laughs> I've written down your fingers and I forgot for a minute what it was about. It's just <laughs> the finger biting sequence is just gross. Yeah. <laughs> He's Shannon in the hallway. Um, yeah. And again, talking about villains, if not, I mean, we talked in the last podcast about Charles Lawton. Shannon in this is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> and and this is very much what you you expect from from Michael Shannon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, slightly off kilter. Yeah. Um, he's, he's racist. He's sexist. This character. Um, he's just oh. He, he is like the human version of Zod. Yeah, yeah. 
in this oh. a more kind of I don't want to say down to earth because obviously Zod is an alien, but mm. just it, it kind of hangs there, doesn't it? This performance compared to Zod. And, Zod's and, kind of. And we, as I say, we we have warning that's coming because Richard Jenkins's voiceover at the start talks about the monster. Uh, yeah. Basically, he's this guy. It's not the guy yeah. in the water. Yeah. Uh, and we're warned that he's coming. Basically, in that voiceover. And he's yeah. just again, he's another great screen creation villain. Um, and it, and it's 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 weird later on to see him back in his home environment, yeah, with his wife and kids. Yeah, and and that all has a very Stepford Wives feel to it. Mm. Yeah, she, she's like they're so, all kind of going through the motions, aren't they? Because of what he is. Yeah. There's this, there's this real hello, father, hello, darling, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And you're not sure how much of that is fear and how much of that is just them being annoyingly sixties sweet. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I just the way this film pan out, I just made some bizarre sort of scribbling. Like, I put down your sexy egg time. <laughs> <laughs> and the stuff of the eggs is just fascinating. The way that they they, they yeah. use eggs, sort of um. In the film, and that, that first time that he sort of takes one, and, and we see how it's going to lead to. And then there's a lot more <laughs> sexier egg time to come as well. <laughs> um, another thing I want to just mention that I think why the film works for me more than the relationship stuff, because these sort of films, uh, it's interesting doing discussing this film with us both being fans of the 1930s Universal stuff. Um, yeah that core creature and beautiful woman relationship stuff, you always have to sort of suspend disbelief a little bit, don't you? Um, yeah. And, and very much so in this. So for me, the, the the Cold War and the Russian spy stuff work really well in the film's favour. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it does, there's a real mix of, of what you can take from this film because yeah. you look at it and go, well, it's a sci-fi slash horror Last fantasy, yeah, I mean, as, yeah. As a as a kind of promotional tool, but when yeah. you get down to it, for a long time, it's certainly not. It's it's about building those relationships up of the people that are going to yeah. surround yeah. the horror element of yeah, it, and, and suspicion and the thriller. Element. Yeah, in fact, some some of the best scenes, the bits with them, um, is it Hofstetter? I think that the scientist is yeah. name. With with his yeah. with his Russian handler and, and and the um the backup man, some of those scenes yeah. are really tense. The one later on in the film where they're in his kitchen, and and you expect them to execute him there and then, in the kitchen, yeah. and he grabs. I think it's a really great sequence. Uh, and the bloke that's just stuffing himself with cake to be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> death of food. And you actually, when he meets his end towards the end of the film, you actually really feel for the guy because he's clearly yeah. a decent guy. Yeah, and and, and he's uh, tried to help them. Yeah, he's tried to do the right thing. Yeah, um, and he, he's just he's just his time has run out basically in in the film, uh, and you do feel for him at that bit at the end when uh, when Shannon's character catches up with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that so again that that was one of my favorite parts of the film was was that whole subplot, um, and again I like the um the uh, subplot with the relationship with um Octavia Spencer's character. Um, some yeah. of the best 
just her and Hawkins and the chatting when they're doing the cleaning and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and that that changing her character later on when she decides to help her after realizing what's going on. So like you say, yeah. she, there's so many different little character dynamics in the film. Yeah, uh, very much so. It's 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 a really interesting. It's a character piece. For yeah, the, yeah, for well, the most it, part, it works on so many part levels. It's a character piece. Is that there's yeah. a bizarre love story in the middle. There's a spies and monsters under the beds paranoia subplot as well and, and it, yeah. but it all works for me it, it, yeah. it doesn't really mistreat, and, and then again it's a film it looks great as well so that's going for it as well um, mm. you've got again you've got that, another nice sort of relationship subplot with um, Hawkins and Jenkins characters of, of the housemate who's sort of the, in the closet and that, that sequence where he goes to the um, to the uh, pie bar on his own yeah and tries to chat up the guy. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And yeah, very much so. The homophobia that comes out of that guy in the end, it's just heartbreaking. And basically tells him he's barred because it's a family restaurant. But yeah. Man, <laughs> it's another yeah. one. Um, but again, that's a pivotal moment because that then is what pushes him into helping, helping out, helping with the yeah. escape. Yeah, and, and then the, the whole escape thing is a, is a whole different genre as well mm. yeah it's just sort of... <laughs> but it's, we... there's so much urgency in in those scenes yeah um yeah. that we haven't seen the rest of the film has been quite serene for most of the time as you said sally hawkins is quite ethereal um obviously yeah. the monster for the most part it's a really a... beautiful design um, yeah, and in fact, when we see that, what that that's that healing power basically, that the way that the suit, way that he lights up that blue, it's it's gorgeous to look at. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic design. <laughs> Again, that's another great moment I love is when we discover he's got healing powers, and that's where the hairs come from on Richard Jenkins' head. He's yeah, basically baldness, and it's just brilliantly done that. Yeah, what I wasn't expecting. What I wasn't expecting was the cat eating. No. <laughs> it comes completely out of left field. It's really dark, isn't it? He's just completely yeah. bitten his head off. <laughs> and the other cat's still running around. Yeah. And he's playing with them in the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Because we really do, I suppose, have to mention the fish sex as well. <laughs> so written down. Yeah. And it's... It works in the film, but it's going to be one of the most unsettling interactions I've seen in a film in a long while. In yeah, show. yeah, <laughs> definitely. But uh, but it works. He gets away with it, and it works in the context of this film. Yeah, um, that, that that's just a mark of Del Toro as a filmmaker for me. Um, yeah. Some of the other stomach moments, I think. I think I've covered a lot of what I really love about this film. It's just, yeah. It's just so many little moments that, and the script just sets them up. Well, like um, at, at the end when um, when he fixes her neck, uh, yeah, makes the gills. The the setup from that was earlier on. It's so much further back in the film, but she's yeah. had these scars and they've been around her neck and, and just did not see that coming either until just before it happens. Yeah, and when she's sort of slipping down in the water and, and then he puts his hand to her throat. Oh, that's what that was all about. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, and it's just, it's just a really, I almost, it's just a shame it took me so long to see this. I kind of put off seeing it because we're doing the record. Um, I do wish I'd seen it at the time now. I know people have seen yeah. it two or three times and have really loved it. Um, and I really enjoyed watching this. Um, I can watch Del Toro till the cows come home anyway. I, I need to sit down and watch Pinocchio at some point. Um, and as an aside, I can't wait to see. Apparently, this next project is going to be Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait to see what he's going to do with that on the back of this. Now he's yeah. now he's going to do one effectively Universal monster remake. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just do my summary and my scores, and I'll, I'll let you sort of get, get out your feelings. In. Come. For me, yeah, I, there's not much I can say that's wrong with this film. Um, it, it looks sumptuous. The performances are great. Um, and on that basis, I've got to go probably somewhere around 91%. I think it's one of the best ones that we've seen and I've enjoyed watching so far. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll chuck just a few thoughts in, to be honest, um, because I've not got loads to add. Um, even from the opening 25 minutes, I, I was like, this is no wonder people have raved about Sally Hawkins' performance. Mm. Um, I thought she was fantastic in this. Um, and, and on that note, I think the, the lack of speech has a real impact on her yes. relationships. Yeah. Um, it, it's just brilliant that she can she can get that across. Um, yes. Everything that happens in this film without being able to talk is yeah. is just unreal. Um, I'm, I'm a, and her actress nomination was fully deserved because she lost to um, Frances McDormand, didn't she? Yeah. Her, her nomination was fully deserved. She was fantastic. Yeah, very much so. Um, I kind of wanted to pick up, as you said, the creature design by Del Toro is absolutely impeccable. Mm. E everything that he designs is absolutely unreal. For for anybody that hasn't, there are some of his designs from Haunted Mansion out there. Um, and it's clear he surrounds himself with people that are on that same vision level, aren't they? That yeah. All this stuff done and it just works so uh, well and he, and he has people like Doug Jones that are able to portray that for him as well yes yes um he knows how it works and and everything and, and I just I think full stop the the performances are outstanding from everybody mm. um throughout the film I, I, I certainly wasn't expecting a musical number <laughs> either yeah the homage yeah that was a interesting yeah. Um, well, <laughs> again but so beautifully shot and, and edited yeah. together yeah very much so and and then those final final scenes it, it really does become a, a full on shootout which again yeah. is, is something completely different to the rest of the film um, and it becomes increasingly more violent as it goes on mm. um, yeah from the and moment then you, that Offsetter gets killed right to the end there's some real yeah. blood left yeah. yeah, and it's it's an absolute gut punch at the end. Mm. Um, but before it comes around, because you do think that's that's it. Yeah, you 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 felt you imagine the film's going to end with them both dying on the um arbor. Yeah, yeah very much so, and uh, and it's not, and yeah, it just a really gut, really big gut punch to start with. Yeah. I need to see it. It comes good, I, it, uh, and a deserved ending as well. Yes, that yeah, it's an earned ending, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, some, I mean, it, but it's one that would have worked either way. Because sometimes in those sort of films, they might have 
they would have been dead on the dock and the camera would just pull out in it and pull out and pull yeah. out and pull out, wouldn't it? And we'd get further yeah. and further away from them. And then we'd get Richard's um, voiceover. Yeah. Um, but no, but, but he went that little bit further and he's earned. They, yeah. they earned that ending, that happy ending in this occasion. Very and much so. Earlier, but done in a very nice and clever way that was foreshadowed from right back at the start. Yeah. <laughs> should have seen yeah. with those marks on the... It's a perfect example yeah. of a skip where, script where everything is in there for a reason, and that scene where they're talking about the marks on her neck earlier in the film. Yeah, but, for, uh, and when you compare it to Mutiny on the Bouncy, which we've we've just done, they were pretty much exactly the same length. Mm. Yet this yeah. doesn't feel like there's anything spare to it, and shows that you can tell a good, compelling story in two hours, two ten, two fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed very to some much of the so. ones that, that some of the ones that we've watched, and some of the ones that are out there that have never won anything that, that can go for three, four hours, and, and probably should have been yeah. a mini series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so my final notes, exactly like you, this is right up there with with my favourite winners. Um, yeah. it's such a great mix of science fiction, horror, fantasy, a love story, and a yeah. political thriller, all yes. thrown in. So a mixing pot yeah, that's boiled to perfection. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's such a winning com- combo. And Del Toro knocks it out of the park um, yeah. with everything he's done on this film. And the casting was just superb. And I'm actually going to go slightly higher than you, Tony. Oh, okay. I'm, going, I'm going with 94. I yeah, nice. thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And would happily sit and watch it again right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. This is definitely a, one of my rewatch lists now. Now I've seen it the first time. Yeah. Um, maybe not now, because I'm going to bed shortly. <laughs> but it's yeah. certainly one I'm... Yeah. It, it, and I think, I think it's one of the things that we will get even more out of on a second or third viewing. Bits of Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm just really pleased when I was watching the film that, that he kind of was on a winner with us both, I guess, being fans of the universal horror films. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And he just sort of, he just sort of come to me and see all this color. And, and yeah. I, I, I'm very much in this era now where it has tried to have been brought back and, and hasn't worked and has been turned yeah. into other things. Um, don't yeah. get me wrong. I love the mummy films with Brendan Fraser and, and obviously Brendan's a massive part of, of the Academy at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they aren't the horror from the 30s and 40s. No. Um, very much just kind of in name, more than yeah. more than anything. And then they tried it again um, over the last couple of years with with the Tom Cruise mummy. Um, yeah. And they've just been very different beasts, and and uh, this brought it back to what we yeah. we yeah. love from the the early days. And this is why I start. I, and I would not be surprised if, even though we haven't seen it yet, if we're not talking about Frankenstein on here in a couple of years' time. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing. Del Toro's, Del Toro's won another Oscar this year for, for Pinocchio, yeah. as you yeah. mentioned, it won Best Animated Feature. Yeah. yeah, He's not going anywhere at the moment, and he, he just seems to go from strength to strength. It's just... I think the big problem for him is that he is so in-depth with what he does. Yeah. That sometimes he lets it get away from him, and we've we've seen that happen a couple of times. Obviously, the pre-mentioned haunted mansion, the Hobbit. Yeah, he kind of let them get away from him because 
of the amount of work he does in preparation for these films. Yeah. But but no, I'm really excited now for Frankenstein on, on the back of this and the cast that's been announced. Yeah. What, what we, if this, this being a template for that film, I think that that film, I would not be surprised if Netflix released it towards the end of the year, whenever it comes out. And then, and even without seeing it, I would not be surprised if it ends up in contention. If it, if it's got the same blueprint as this, then it, yeah. it'll be up, I suspect. Um, yeah. Right, I suppose I think we've pretty much <laughs> we've pretty much talked talk that one well. Um, which yeah. I guess just leaves us to sort of look at what we're going to be doing for the next two. Yeah, okay. so I've just run the first one and it is 1941. Oh, um, Rebecca. Yes, it certainly is. Um, Anybody who thinks I've got a list in front of me now. <laughs> <laughs> All prepped. Uh, and we've got 1978. Uh, that would be Annie Orr. Yep, yep. Yeah. Weirdly, we picked two two women's names for for <laughs> this month. One one month it's water, the next it's women's names. Yeah, well, Rebecca, I'm looking forward to watching again. That's a rewatch, and 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 that I think the only time that Mr. Hitchcock will appear on this podcast. Yeah, um, but um, but no, I'm looking forward to watching that again. Um, and Annie Hall is one of those ones I've only ever seen bits of, so that'll be interesting to see and watch that in full um ah cool so that's that's good two two i see two again two sort of relationship films but some yeah. very different sort of tones i suspect um brilliant well cheers mate um no worries thank you everybody for for listening and we will see you all again next month <laughs>